Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Well, welcome back to our second hour of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are just so glad that you're here with us today as we are talking with the authors of Freedom. Some of our guests today have been sort of figuratively the authors of Freedom, and others have been literally authors writing about our 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 past freedoms, our future freedoms, and that continuity. Like, what do we do to connect the past with the future? And uh, we have uh, with us, actually in studio, uh, an author of both forms, literally and figuratively, retired Colonel, sorry, Richard Tolliver. He is a Top Gun fighter pilot and a protege of the famed Tuskegee Airmen, and an author of a couple of books, but one of them is called An Uncaged Eagle, and it's an autobiography. Thank you so much. Uh, do I just call you Colonel? No, Cheryl, Dick will be fine. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Dick, Thank you. there's that here. humility. I mean, you just got to love mm-hmm. that, right? With the that You should see how thick this, this book is. This man has done some things. He's been some places. He's had some amazing experiences that he shared with us in, in the book. And, and then to have that humility, just just call me Dick. I love that. So um, starting out here, I one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is because we're in such a season in America of of turmoil. There's division. Or it just seems like there's this this heavy cloud of hopelessness hanging over us. And I know you have actually lived through a time like that and come out with such a positive attitude and such a message of hope. And I just want you to share from your perspective about those things and, and kind of lift us up here today and give us some, some help to see that maybe not all is lost. Well, thank you, Cheryl. I, pre- I appreciate the opportunity. I think one has to have lived through, as you said, the dark times to perhaps better appreciate the bright times or you have to go through trial and tribulation to know when things are very good. In my case, I, I hearken back to some 50 plus years ago when I was a young lieutenant in the Air Force uh, trying to get my wings in Selma, Alabama, Craig Air Force Base, Selma, Alabama. Uh, I just finished a year and a half in Northwest Florida where we were experiencing all of the bloody riots in Alabama and Birmingham mm. and so on. So it was a very turbulent time. Uh, and, of course, during that time, we lost our president at first assassination of times. And so these were very turbulent times in the country. And there was a push for peaceful demonstrations to bring about social change and bring about uh, civil rights that were summarily denied everywhere. No right to vote and no right to go downtown to sit at a restaurant, uh, order food, 
drive for thousands of miles without having an opportunity to stop and check into a hotel. These were the kinds of things that were happening at the time. Now, in that contrast to what we were able to accomplish in America, uh, with all of our faults for that matter, uh, there were civil rights movements that succeeded. The Voting Rights Act of 1964, uh, the Civil Rights Passage of 1965, made some of those day-in and day-out things illegal. And so we had the force of law. We, when I say that, we African-Americans or people of color, uh, not just people of uh, African-American heritage, but uh, Asian-Americans, Mexican-Americans, Jews uh, even, were discriminated against very violently in the South. And to see where we are today, where many of those things have changed, we've come so far, not without difficulty, not without struggle, but we are 50 years uh, where we are today from where we were. As an example, when I graduated from high school back in the 50s, I couldn't um, enroll in LSU, uh, nor the Air Force Academy. But 25 years later, I had a daughter to graduate with honors at LSU. I had two children to graduate from the Air Force Academy. That was just a change in education. Um, and today, uh, it really depends on my attitude, uh, my economic capability, uh, my willingness to uh, treat people with respect, to gain respect, and so on. And I think what people really wanted 50 years ago in terms of civil rights was just to be treated as an American, just to be treated as a human being. In plain language, treat me the way I would treat you. And so there are so, so many things today that reflect that. We can buy a home wherever we can afford it. Um, I can go into any restaurant in Phoenix today or stop and go online and check out any hotel I want if I can afford it, I rent a car and all these. These are basic things that were summarily denied to people of color 50 years ago. And even in Selma, where all of this started for you, right? Yes. And, and that's, that is saying a lot. In some ways, it's shocking to me that within my lifetime, basically, I was born in 1966. So within my lifetime, these things changed so dramatically. But then when you, you watch the news, sometimes it feels like maybe we haven't come as far as we think we have. I think some of that is the, the propensity of media outlets to seek the exceptional situation or the things that they think are traumatic or traumatic and so on. And there's so many things going on behind the scenes that are so good yes. that you don't hear that, you don't seek that because it's not thought to be newsworthy or news-making. But... And even if you didn't see those things, the way we look at it, we people of my generation, this is uh, freedom and rights, uh, righteousness, the seeds that get planted in the soil as we come along. Mm -hmm. And so in America, the freedoms and rights have been planted in the soil of adversity, if you will, using that as a metaphor, years and years ago. And every generation comes along at a time that it has to weed that garden mm -hmm. uh, of those things that have grown up to snuff out 
righteousness or good behavior or race relations, you see. And you say, well, then what are those weeds, if you will? They're the weeds of apathy, mm. complacency, uh, neglect, uh, still vestiges of bigotry, uh, hatred, uh, the unwillingness to forgive people, and so on. And every generation gets an opportunity to do its part and weed in the garden of those things. I love the the analogy and the the word pictures that you're putting in our mind. And, and you know, you talk to us about the importance in in that weeding process of faith and education, attitude and relationships, because as we move through, especially this crazy election season, it seems like instead of breaking the bondage of slavery, we have so many people that seem to want to vote us back into the slavery of a failed system like socialism. Well, I, I think the word uh, imprison or slavery is a good characterization of those things that are negative. Uh, that we, again, we have to work against those things to keep from being enslaved. Exactly. Okay. Uh, now, in the case of people being equipped to deal with the change that comes about, uh, I reflect back on a, a few things that were so significant in moving my generation, my generation of color, uh, forward. These things were, uh, in order, faith, education, the positive attitude, and relationships. And that's an acrostic, by the way, of fear. Uh, nice. It's just like I like fear, how you did that. Yes. You know, fear of failure. And or fear of God, you know, ultimately when man has done everything that he or she has done, the sum of it is, uh, as the Bible says, fear God and keep his commandments. So th that's a biblical significance there. But if we were taken in my generation, the thing that pushed people forward, it would it began with faith. They had to have uh, an unyielding faith in the God that we believed in. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to believe that he would help us overcome the very worst of situations from life through death. Mm -hmm. You know, he was there at the beginning of life. He was there at the end of life. And so somewhere in between, we had to embrace that. And then the next thing was education. Education was the key. It was preached. It was taught. It was drummed into people and children from the beginning. And so you are going to get educated whether you want it to or not. <laughs> <laughs> I suffer the consequences of mama's wrath. Right? Mama's wrath was worse than hell. And so we weren't going to... And that's a good thing. <laughs> that's it. So we were not going to do that. And then we had to have uh, the attitude that says, I'm going to make it. I will not fail. I have people dependent on me. I must not fail. I'm going to find a way to succeed. And then the right relationships is that you have to develop them. You have to nurture them. You have to preserve them. And that takes effort. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you talk about the wrath of mama, but that's that uh, done with love, you know, because she wanted the best. Yes. Our moms want the best for us. And so discipline is never pleasant at the time that you're facing it. That's even scriptural, right? Absolutely. It's, <laughs> it, well, discipline wasn't meant to be a, a walk in the park. Right. It was meant to help shape you and to bring you about in a positive way. Exactly. But that's the pulling of the weeds and yes, that's the tilling of the soil. Absolutely. And so, so good will grow up. Yes. 
and sprout up. So, all right, well, stick around because we have much more to come with our literal author, actually figurative and literal author, uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Richard Tolliver, who wants us to just call him Dick after all that he's been through and all that he has served our country. And I I did uh, neglect to say thank you so much for your service, sir. Appreciate it. So stick around. We've got more with him. He's going to talk to us more about his autobiography, An Uncaged Eagle, when we come back from this break. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. We are talking today on the, the topic of the authors of freedom, and we have someone in studio here with us who has authored freedom both literally and Figuratively, we have retired Colonel Richard Tolliver, who has written his autobiography, The Uncaged Eagle, and he has served our country. He has lived through a tumultuous time in American history and while pressing forward and writing a new future for our country, he's he's maintained a, a sense of hope and a, a sense of of goodness for our future. And that's what he's sharing here with us today. And we're going to bring him back on. He likes me to just call him Dick because he's got that, that, that humility that comes from having done such great things. And and I really admire that. So welcome back, Dick. 
Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. And, and again, thank you for your service to our, our country and, and for helping to pass along all of the lessons that, that we've learned from future, from past generations. Cheryl, he served two tours in Vietnam, too. Oh, my goodness. See, oh. that's what I'm talking about. You know, people that have really served, really lived, and then press, press that forward. Give that those lessons to the next generation. That's what we're about here with our show. You know, we start with President Reagan's speech about our, our freedoms are one generation away from extinction. Because if we aren't teaching the next generation what we've been through and what, what it took to preserve and to win freedoms. You, were, you lived at a time when you had to win freedoms, didn't you? Well, not only win, but fight for it. Yes. Okay? Fight for it uh, at home and abroad. Uh, we, my generation, uh, African-Americans in particular, uh, were taught that this is our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, our forefathers had shed the blood and the sweat and the tears Black people had been involved in the very genesis of our nation. We were taught that and understood that mm-hmm. and appreciated it. We go all the way back to the American Revolution uh, on that day in 1770 when five young men were killed on the Boston Square. It's called the Boston Massacre. One of those five men was a black man, hmm. and they were called rabbi-rousers in those days as they stood up to the redcoats. And then when you go through the history of this country, the 240 years or so that we have now, black people... Chinese Americans, Mexican people have been in the forefront of building this country to be what it was. And so we took, uh, uh, we embraced that and we took that to heart. This is our country. We had families here. We were going to raise our families here. And so we had to take the stand for whatever we needed to make right in those days. And I was blessed to be trained by the original Tuskegee Airmen at Tuskegee back in the 1950s. And, one of the, and they had already been there. They had already paved the road. They didn't get rid of all the rocks because they said, we want you to have some character building here. <laughs> so they, they like left that. a few rocks in the road and a few ditches. They said, now you go forward as the next generation. But remember this. Embrace your country. Love her. If she's a wayward wife, then you hold her hand and go and be willing to love her and make her love you by what you do, by showing her your love. Mm. And so we had that attitude. Um, that we took to heart. And so when we confronted uh, physically some of the difficulties, we tried to project ourselves to the future, knowing that I'm going to have children one day, and I want this to be a better place for them in which to live. And, and just as those who sacrifice for me, then I must be willing to sacrifice for those who come in immediately behind. And we look together for those who are going to be there uh, in the future. And so it was uh, taking a stake in the action, if you will, and, and having ownership uh, of this country going backwards and, and then being willing to stand for it. But I think the, the, the thing that really meant more is that, and again, I go back to uh, two things that we had really working for us in those days. We had our faith. We had our families. And we believed that we were going to help make this be one of the greatest countries on earth. Uh, now, uh, I can fast forward today to where we are, knowing from whence we've come. And remarkably, those three things still matter. The things that make me happy today is that I have my faith. It's been unwavering. 
now well over 40 years. Um, I've been married to the same woman for going to be 54 years. Congratulations. Uh, in June. Awesome. Uh, she still loves me on most days. Okay. <laughs> That's good. We, we have uh, three biological children, five adopted children, wow. 13 grandkids, and two great-grandkids. Mm. And we're involved in their lives. Yes. And so there is my happiness right there. Yes. My faith, my family, and because I've traveled the world, I know there's no other country on the planet that's greater than America. And so I take that today when I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed at night, the things that make me happy is that I have my faith, I have my family, and I have the privilege of living in the greatest country on earth. Well, I love that. And the message that you said about you wanted to make this a better country, you wanted to have a better future for your children, that is or should be a colorless, right, And it vision. is. It, it is. Uh, you know, I've seen families, uh, family units around the world, uh, and regardless of the, the racial background or whatever, there are some things that are universal, they're global. And, and that family thing is a global thing. In every country that I've visited and traveled and been involved in Europe, in the Pacific or whatever, that family unit is, is the, the thing that, that holds that nation together. And, and, and I've seen mothers showing love in Japan, in Southeast Asia, in Europe, in Africa, and so on. And remarkably, those things are rather global. And so, but it is no surprise because aren't we all human? Right. Okay. That's the thing. Well, you know, there's a saying out there that freedom isn't free. And no. we all, that just rolls off the tongue. But yes. I don't know that people really think about it because it seems like we treat it, we, you and I in this room, we don't. Yes. But again, when you clip on the news, and it could just be the, the media hype, but it seems like we treat it as though it doesn't matter at all. And it seems like we've lost the idea of respect for the people that go out there and sacrifice their, their lives and, and sacrifice time away from their families. And of course, I'm talking about our military. Yes. So talk to us about the sacrifices that have been made by the men and women in the military from as far back as the American Revolution right up to the Afghanistan wars. Yes, and, and thank you for asking that because I think the families that have paid a price through the loss of a loved one, their son, husband, a father, and very sadly, it touched my life, reading about C4 this morning in the paper, this young man uh, who gave his all. Hmm. Um, that touched me because I am a veteran. I, I spent time in combat. And I've had to deal with families who lost loved ones in war. And so if you wanted to put a picture, a frame around what has been the price of freedom in this country uh, with regards to men and women who served, here it is. Since we've been a nation, 240 years, over 41 million men and women have served in uniform. Wow. Uh, those that are still missing or unaccounted for over 38,000. Those that were captured or taken prisoners, 142,000, nearly 300. Those that were killed in battle, 850,000 approximately, and then still another 
430,000 killed while serving in war. We have over 17,000 that died in combat, and today more than 1,500,000 carry the wounds of war, mm. and tens of thousands of others uh, carry the scars you can't see. Right. And that is the price of freedom characterized by the service of men and women in uniform. In, of every race? Every race. Of every generations generation, going back? Since, since the beginning. Since those five men fell on the square of Boston 240 years ago, this summarizes the cost of freedom just in terms of the sacrifices of men and women in uniform. You know, I, I think so much that's missing is just um, the education factor and, and helping people to really know what happened. And there's, there's some revisionism history that goes on out there. But you like to say that one nation under God is, is a, a privilege, a commitment, and a duty. And that's even farther removed yeah. Right. Then just the, the, the literal history, but being one nation under God. So talk to us about that before we got to wrap up here. Yes. Every every military person today, when he or she is given the oath of office and they're called to raise their right hand. And I solemnly swear and support the Constitution of the United States, et cetera. I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And, and I promise to obey the, the rules and serve my country, and the office I'm about to assume, the last thing that they say is, so help me God. Mm. To the men and women in the military, that is a sacred covenant that we take. And not only at the time that we initially come in the military, but when we re-up, if you will, or we go to another rank, we do the same thing, and so on. And and we know intuitively that... Uh, we may be called to put our all on the line for our fellow man or for our country. And we know that if we don't have faith, if we don't believe in this God that we raised our right hand to salute when we first took the oath of office, mm -hmm. uh, then we are going to come up short. And so it's, it's easier for the military man to believe in that. And it's easier for the military man to say, this is my country. We are indeed one nation mm -hmm. under God. And we are Americans. Mm -hmm. We're not split. We are Americans, and we stand for that. This is our country. This is our America. This is the God in whom we serve. Okay, very good. Well, we have got to run to commercial, but if you are willing to stick around for one more segment, we, we'd like to hang on to you if that's okay. That's okay. Good. All right, fantastic. Stick around. We've got more with one of our authors of Freedom, retired Colonel Richard Tolliver, who wrote the autobiography, The Uncaged Eagle. Stick around. Hey. 
Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are talking today with an author of freedom. And it's so he fits so perfect with engaging, with educating, with passing along information, because we are all about legacy. We are all about Uh, passing along what we've learned, what we've lived to the next generation and trying to reach people who maybe have a a negative attitude toward maybe their Second Amendment rights because they don't understand them. They don't know why we have them. Maybe they they don't understand the the road that past generations have walked to understand why we feel so passionately about our freedoms and about our history and the, the guest we have in studio here with us today has walked many miles of that and many years of that history himself from, from Selma, Alabama. You may have seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie, but if you've seen the movies, then some of those, those visuals are fresh in your mind. That struggle that was taking place just so people could live free and just be treated the same as as the person standing next to them that happened to have been born with a different color skin. And he was part of of that generation and and has lived that. And then he put his life into serving in the Air Force, serving our country, two tours in Vietnam. Vietnam. And uh, now he's got children, biological children. He's got children that he's adopted into his family. This is somebody whose voice we need to hear, somebody we need to listen to. And then his message is so hopeful. 
You know, he could walk around saying, oh, life's been so hard on me. And right, Dick? Yes, we were taught about uh, each day, give yourself 10 seconds to whine. <laughs> get it over with early or save it for the end of the day, but you get 10 seconds. Yeah, 10 seconds and a 10 second rule. I love that. Well, um, we wanted to talk to you because we were talking about, you know, instilling one nation under God into future generations and the idea of, of the history where we've come from and the acronym that you shared with us, FEAR, which is using faith, education, attitude, and relationships as we move through our lives and move through history. But how do we reinstill these ideas into that, that are so critical to the future of success into future generations? Well, I think this is where the family comes into play. Uh, this is why family is still important. It was very important 100 years ago, 50 years ago. And if our children are to know things and to embrace things, we as responsible people, as adults uh, who become parents, have a responsibility to teach our children. But if we don't teach them that they're about, let's say, God, a right and righteousness, right and wrong, then who's, how will they know? And so whether people are people of faith or not, I happen to believe that there is an imperative in human dynamics. And it has to do with our very creation itself. And whether people believe in God or not, you're still a human being, you've been created. Somehow, whatever way you want to claim that, it's up to you. Uh, I happen to believe that there is a God and I was created by him. I also believe that he chose to allow me to be uh, created uh, and, and uh, uh, by parents that I had. I had no say over it. And then I had great grandparents beyond that. And so I woke up one day, I happened to be a black child. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is it. I mean, I'm stuck with this. This is an immutable <laughs> condition here. It's true, right? It's not going anywhere. So I needed to get used to that idea and look around to see what other black folk were doing that was good and then try to emulate what they were doing. But the thing, again, it comes back to, uh, we were taught in my day uh, to believe in God. And so therefore, uh, when we encounter difficulties, that's where we went. We were taught how to pray. Uh, and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm so glad that I was taught that because later in life, I went away from that, and then I was made to come back to that. And I've been with it for quite some time now after I wandered around like most young people do. But it's imperative that we teach our children about faith. And that faith is in God, as I believe it with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength. And then the very next thing that we're challenged to do, then teach our children these ways. If we fail to do that, then our children come up not knowing if we fail to teach our children just plain history of how we became a nation, or how we were as a family, or how we did things in the community, they will never know. And unfortunately, we've gotten away from that, I believe. Um, God was taken out of schools approximately 50 years ago, and then God has been removed from many other things, from the very shield of a community or whatever, and there are people that are dead set against any reference to God. Well, I happen to have fought for that right for them to believe as they want. But I've also fought for the right for me to believe as I feel led to believe. 
And we call those personal rights. And so every person that says, well, this is my right to be this or that, I said, thank you very much. That's your right. I fought for it. Absolutely. But please let me have my right to believe in a God. Let me have my right to want to raise my children in a godly way. Uh, let me have my right to say, well, this is wrong. That's not right. And, and live accordingly. And the thing that really makes that worthwhile is if we have the courage to live what we say. Mm-hmm. You know, don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't mistreat people. Uh, don't do something to people that you would not want to have done to you. That's an old golden rule. Mm-hmm. And we can live by that. And it's not complicated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then I believe when we do it that way, there really is uh, an inherent goodness in people. Mm-hmm. It gets squashed often by the externalities of life or circumstances. But I believe this God that I have faith in was a good creator. And, and, and when he chose to create a German, that was his business. Mm-hmm. When he chose to create a Japanese, that was his business. Mm-hmm. And when he chose me, I'm pretty good with that, you know. And I'm so, <laughs> you kind of have to be. I, I like right? this, you know. And so, so I looked in the mirror one day, I think I was about 19 years old, and I began to appreciate who I was. That's awesome. Okay, and about four years later, when I figured out how to appreciate myself, God sent a God-fearing young woman into my life 55 years ago. And he showed me that that's the one for you, son. Chase her. Wow. And I had to chase her and propose to her. They weren't great proposals. but <laughs> it must have worked, though. Three times she rejected it. Really? <laughs> and the fourth time, she didn't know about persistency. That was the other factor in growing up. You had to have persistency. And you have to have some vision of what you wanted in life. I and so, uh, but our family, our family is where it begins. Mm-hmm. And, and my mother, bless her heart, uh, died young. Uh, 48 years old, mm. trying to raise six kids. But she used to instill in us, you know, charity begins at home, then spreads abroad. And she used to pound in us that you've got to always have one more get up than a fall down. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And then when we were wayward, she would say, look, if you don't want to be tempted by the devil, you got to stay off of his ground. You know? <laughs> I <laughs> like so that. I took these things to heart. Uh, from a lady who's been gone over 55 years, she got it from her father and people who were before her. And then people in my neighborhood were trying to teach us how to do these things. Did we fail? Did we do things we shouldn't? Of course we did. But by and large, there was this notion that you must train your child in the way of the Lord so that he will not depart. That is the essence. And America itself with all of its faults, with all of its blemishes, and with all the things it didn't do, America was built upon godly principles. Mm-hmm. The history is there to show that. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, you know, George Washington had slaves, but he also got on his knees and prayed uh, in, in a crucible moment of his life. And others were people who believed in God. When America grew to the point that it knew that its past needed to be rectified, America changed. Thus, we go back to the things we said. Has America changed? Yes, it has, because there were people working to ensure that we changed and we became a better nation because of rules that got changed, laws that got changed. Now, we still have to deal with the humanness. But then, again, I hearken back to, it's every generation that has to step up. And if we are able to do that, if we continue to teach the good, 
then good will eventually grow. It will take root. That's true. And I, and I like that, you know, you've got to have the continuity of family and also a certain degree of participation of your fellow man. You oh, talked about your neighborhood, you know? Yes. So, I, you know, not that I, I really don't ascribe to it takes a village. You know, I, I think what our former first lady might have said that. But in a way, it does because we do need to look out for each other, encourage each other in good and and cast a, a, a glance at what, you know, a child shouldn't maybe be doing or help them to not get connected with the wrong communities and the wrong groups of friends. And Well, that's so very true because, you see, uh, we were taught in those days and we taught our children, you're responsible. You, you have a responsibility to your family. And so what you do when you go out of those doors is going to reflect upon us, all yes. of us. And, and then if you're in a neighborhood, we had a responsibility to the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Now, we had some encouragement 50, 60 years ago. Miss Jones could take Miss White's boy and apply the rod of correction if she caught him in the wrong. And, and you know, those kinds of things. So it was the village participation or uh, somebody sent a runner to my house and told my mother that, I was acting inappropriately two blocks away from the house. And so by the time I got home, the wrath was waiting. Yeah, I used to say my dad knew I was doing something wrong before I even did it. So and that was a good thing. Right. Well, um, we're about to to wrap up here. We've really enjoyed uh, talking with you about where we've come from and, and the hopefulness of the future and how we can get there. And I want to encourage everybody to check out uh, your website and your book. So please tell people how they can do that. Yes, um, my website uh, can be found on www.anuncagedeagle, all three words, uh, .com, an uncaged eagle. And uh, that story is about a boy who escaped the cage of life, the prison of hardship, and so on. And if you just forget that, if they'll just Google up, Richard Tolliver, Colonel Richard Tolliver, it will take them to the website and other sites where there's information out there, and, and I'll be more than happy uh, to, to respond to that. Okay. Absolutely. And you did write a book that must have to do with the, the godly woman that you chased all those years ago and, and got turned down twice for Three your times. marriage. Three, Three times. times for your, so it was fourth times with a charm? I got her on the fourth time. <laughs> I love that. What's the name of that book? The book is called Woman, A Godly Creation. And there I, I seek to honor women everywhere, women that I've seen and met, uh, mothers, sisters, teachers, pastors, wives, women of color, uh, women internationally. And the purpose there is to try to help young women and young men better appreciate this great creation called woman. I love that. Thank you so much for taking your Saturday and coming into the studio and being with us. You're welcome. It's a joy to be here with you. Absolutely. Well, stick around because we have ahead of us our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Tip of the Week. He's shaking his head at me like he doesn't have his Tip of the Week ready, but I guarantee you he does. He better. All right. Stick around and find out. Hi, folks. I'm Don Kyle. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock, 
and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours, too. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Old Town Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. Sponsored by AZ Firearms, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Cheryl, what a show it's been. I mean, talking to the colonel, that was awesome. You know, our theme was Authors of Freedom, and he gave me chills. Really did. And, I mean, we could probably just keep on talking, and, and I wish that the little bit that we were chatting off air could have been something that everybody could hear because you guys were talking a little bit about his, uh, his service and right. his experiences in, in the Vietnam War and, and that sort of thing. And we're definitely going to have him back on. Thankfully, he's a... An Arizonan, so he's fairly easy to, to get a hold of. I'm sure he's a busy guy, but um, you know, we already talked about bringing him back on and talking about, okay, so what is our government? What must our government do moving forward? You know, because it takes it takes the people, it takes them uh, speaking up, it takes them reaching out, but then it also takes the government to be receptive. We have to to hire with our votes the people that will be receptive. I think it starts more with family. I mean, this man is a great example of that. His family taught him to respect one another, taught him about God, and that is the key. And that's what's missing with us right now. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, just, I just can't believe it. I mean, this guy is a perfect model for a U.S. citizen. He really is. And... Um, we are having him back on because we've got much, much more to talk with him about. But right now, I want to do one of the things that I love being able to do on this show, and that is to bring one of the stories to the airwaves about a responsibly armed citizen who was prepared when things went a little different than what they had planned. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. All right, so our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report today, I want you to envision a scene, okay? Uh, I want you to picture a normal, healthy, 25-year-old man. So we already know somebody in our lives who we could kind of get a picture of who would fit that description. So fairly tall, fairly broad shoulders, the prime of their life, they're healthy, they're strong. And, and now I want you to picture someone 
who is old enough to be a great, great grandmother. Okay, so picture in your mind a lady. She's reached her 80th birthday. So by 80, we've become probably, what, smaller versions of ourselves. Maybe our backs are a little more bent and our legs not quite as sturdy. Our arms not as strong as when we were young. So now I want you to take that 25-year-old and I want you to imagine that 25-year-old whose name is Danger attacking, attacking this 80-year-old woman's husband with fists and with a knife and the only thing standing between danger and death for her husband is this 80-year-old woman. Is she going to fight this man? Is she going to wrestle danger to the ground? Or is she going to kick or punch danger to stop his attack on her husband? She's 80. Is she going to have any physical advantage of strength over someone who is half a century, 55 years her junior, like danger, who has broken into her home in search of prescription drugs to steal and use and sell? Oh, some would say, you know, from the safety of their far removed lives that the 80 year old woman should just simply call the police and wait, wait while her husband is being beaten and wait while her husband is being stabbed and wait while her husband's life bleeds from his wounds inflicted by danger. And suppose she should wait while danger turns his murderous rage on her too. Well, thankfully, this 80-year-old doesn't listen to those shaming voices who say women can't handle firearms and who cluck nonsense that the elderly aren't strong enough or sharp enough of mind to own guns. And this 80-year-old woman has prepared herself for the possibility of danger's visit to her home. And it turns out that danger is no match, after all, for an 80-year-old woman when She is responsibly armed. 80-year-old woman took drastic action to save her husband during a home invasion. Police say she shot the intruder, but not before he managed to stab her elderly husband. Steve Kiggins is live where this happened last night on Woods Lake Road in Snohomish County. Steve? Yeah, guys, I spoke to the elderly woman. She tells me she's not ready to talk about her story in front of a TV camera. She says her 75-year-old husband is in a lot of pain. Right now, he's in serious condition in the hospital. But we did speak with her neighbor, who tells us that she's had a gun for a number of years. She's trained how to use it. And her neighbor believes she saved lives last night. It could have been a very bad situation. I mean, it could have been three homicides over there instead of one intruder biting the dust. Police said the 75-year-old husband watched the stranger break into his house through the back door and then hit him on his head before stabbing him. That's when his 80-year-old wife grabbed her gun and killed the intruder. Richard Cross lives next door. He said his neighbor told him the suspect had been rifling through the medicine cabinet searching for drugs. But when police said she watched him attack her husband with a knife, she pulled out a gun and shot him. She didn't think a second about it. I mean, it was just automatic. She emptied the gun. Police believe the suspect has no relation to the elderly couple or their adult son who was also in the home during the attack. The 80-year-old shooter told investigators she had never seen the suspect before in her life. The medical examiner identified the intruder as this man, 25-year-old Stephen Shepard from Gold Bar. And he's a convicted felon who did time for robbery in 2013. 
but their neighbor is grateful that the friendly and warm family next door survived the terrifying ordeal. I figured she would be a basket case, and the biggest problem she had was she was tired. So police, they are still investigating this case. It'll be up to the prosecutor's office to determine if this elderly woman could face any charges in the shooting. We're live near Sultan, Steve Kiggins, Q13 News. Well, you heard the newscaster say that at first she wasn't prepared to go on camera and talk at all, and that's totally understandable. But I, I found an interview that she did give a little later, and I just have to, to play that clip for you so because I want you to meet this extraordinary woman and hear her voice and hear her spirit. I just knew I had to stop him. Barb walked through the house and went for her weapon, a 38 caliber pistol. Came in here, closed door, got my gun. So when the intruder came around the corner, I shot him a total of three times. That's horrible, huh? Deputies say the robber, 25 year old Stephen Shepard, died at the scene. Investigators believe he was a stranger intending to burglarize the home of two innocent senior citizens. But to have something so senseless like this happen, it's just so, it's really been a very surreal week. For that week, Barb's husband, John, has been in the ICU at the hospital. Doctors were afraid he had a concussion, but he is expected to survive. You know, never in my whole life did I ever anticipate having to take another life especially at age 80, give me a break here. But it's something Barb says she'd do again in a heartbeat to defend the family she loves. I felt like if I hadn't, my son and I both might be dead and my husband would have probably bled to death on the kitchen floor. Wow, what a great story. I mean, but what if she wouldn't have been armed? What would have happened? The husband would have died. He was stabbed, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, then why wouldn't he have turned his rage on to her? Sure. And then the son, too. So there would have been three people that were killed. You know, my, my, the, the evil side of me, which I'm not advising anyone to do, but think maybe we should have dummy cabinets of medicine that have poison in it that look like real drugs. <laughs> And so, you know, that's 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 the first thing that came to my mind, because, I mean, what do they deserve? I mean, what are these people that are breaking into people's houses, stabbing elderly people and beating them? What else could they possibly deserve? Well, I didn't realize until recently, I've been hearing more and more news stories that the elderly or the the widow or widower left behind from somebody who's passed uh, are being targeted for the prescription drugs in their homes. I didn't realize this before. I mean, it makes sense if, if uh, you're thinking like a criminal uh, to break into these homes because it's in the newspaper that so-and-so passed away and, and you know, this sort of thing. So maybe the, the wife is left at home now as a widow and there's all those drugs sitting around there. So I, I wasn't aware that that was a problem until recently. Right. All right, so uh, you're looking at me a certain way, which must mean that it's time for Dan's Tip of the Week. Kind of off, kind of off topic. Oh, really? At the first of the news ca- uh, the show today, you said spring cleaning. Okay. Is it spring cleaning now? Is it time for spring? Is it here? Is it sprung? Okay. Yeah. Is it? 
Yes. Okay? Let's just say yes. Let's get the guns out of the closet and get them cleaned. Okay. You know, and- I mean, you clean your house, you do what your wife says, get the guns out and get them cleaned. Have them serviced. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about the, the concealed carry gun that I carry in my purse all the time? I'm talking about any gun that you value should be taken and cleaned. Um, especially the gun that you carry because, you know, you've got the toothpaste in it and the lint. Toothpaste and, uh, in my purse? I don't have, I, you know, I've never been in your purse 30 yeah, years. You I know? wouldn't advise it. All there I do, really could be toothpaste in I it. All I do is know that it weighs about 30 pounds because I have to carry it for her. <laughs> it might have a one of her old dogs in there. I have no idea what's in that purse. It's yeah, best of, not to look in yeah. it, but I do appreciate you carrying it But anyway, so sometimes. if you have a, uh, um, a gun that you carry, you know, just take the time to take it out. Maybe you need to clean it and also change the spring in the magazine. Super important that if you had a loaded magazine for a long period of time, replace the spring. You can buy the springs at most shops. We have all the Glock springs. Come in and we'll trade it in. But you need to clean your gun at spring cleaning time. So what if I don't have a Glock, but I still want to come to azfirearms.com to have my spring replaced? We'll help you do that. We'll spring into action and take care of you. Oh, nice. I see what you did there. That was great. But I, you know, I took a couple guns in this week. Had like matchbook covers inside the action and just rust everywhere. And it's like, oh, yeah, how does this happen? Gun wouldn't shoot because he had a, a shell in it. He fired the shell, but it wouldn't extract a shotgun. Because the chamber was rusty. Oh. Well, when you, pl- when you shoot plastic shells, it's hot outside, it's humid, the shell sweats. Mm. So then when you pull the shell out, you put it in your closet, the gun rusts, so then you go shoot it again, the rust sticks to the shell and it will not come out. So spring cleaning time. Wow. Well, that was kind of a twofer because I've been asking you to give us sort of a, you know, report from the, the gunsmith. And uh, I like that. When you said spring, I sprung into action. Nice. You're just, you're going to hang on to that one for a while, I can tell. (laughs) He looks very proud of himself for that one. All right. Well, we need to wrap it up here. I can't believe how quickly two hours runs by, but I want to thank our tech crew. You guys are awesome. You, You hit all the marks for us. You keep us on time. Thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners. Because of you, what we say here grows legs. Because now you share it with someone else. Or maybe you tell them about uh, our on-demand where they can tune in themselves at gunfreedomradio.com on the on-demand tab. And then they can hear the guests that we brought on. And I do thank our guests. They're, They're awesome for taking the time out of their life and sharing with us something new. We get to learn something every single week here. And uh, I I just want to leave you guys with uh, this thought. We need to pray for our nation. Take the time. Pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. Most of them. No, you pray for all of our leaders. Even the one? Even the ones you don't like. Maybe we have to pray for them for more, huh? Yes, exactly. I'm getting it there. You are getting it there. And uh, be good to each other. And I want to leave you with these words from President Ronald Reagan. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advance beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability 
to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.